Let's go ahead and open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from verses 11 through 24. Galatians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. And I want us to pray and ask our Lord to bless the offering and the reading of his word here this evening. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the Bible here tonight, we pray, Lord God, that your spirit would uh, just fill this place up, Lord God, and touch the hearts of your people that are here this evening. We pray for those that are watching us online. We thank you, God, that they have made the sacrifice and that are that they're taking this time, Lord God, this time slot to just sit down in their living rooms and their kitchens and their bedrooms, wherever they may be, Lord, to focus their hearts and attention and their time on the word of the Lord. Bless the offerings that we're receiving here tonight, Lord God, whether it's through our online services or our ushers ministries here or through the mail. Bless all the offerings. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God, and for your provision. And I pray for myself now that you will help me, Father, to speak your word with clarity and, Lord God, with under, under your anointing and that your will will be done in this message. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. And everyone said... Amen. Very good. Okay, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse number 11. And the Bible says this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what, what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now, this is the Apostle Paul who is writing this letter to the churches that are in Galatia. There was a number of churches. Remember, Galatia is a region uh, of the Roman Empire, and there were a number or a cluster of churches that were there that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas started on their first missionary journey. And we la learned last week that the Apostle Paul was not one of the original apostles. And there were those who were questioning his apostleship. And who were these that were questioning his apostleship and causing confusion in these churches in Galatia? Those that were trying to pervert the gospel and saying to the Galatians, Hey, why are you listening to Paul? 
He was not one of the original apostles. He was not with Jesus during the three years that Jesus Christ ministered here on the earth. What makes him an apostle? What gives him the authority to declare to you what the gospel is? What credentials does Paul have? What kind of training or discipleship does he have in Christianity? Who taught the apostle Paul? That's why the apostle Paul begins this letter so strongly and without fear of offending the false teachers. He tells the Galatians and all of us that are here today, and all Christians of all future generations, whenever we feel threatened in terms of this gospel that we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the, from the grave, whenever we feel threatened in any way, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1, verses 7 through 9, he says, Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So the Apostle Paul is telling the Galatians, Hey, it does not matter how influential or how powerful or how respected or educated or popular or of high position these so-called false teachers may have or who they may be. They may be considered superstars of the elite in the business or educational or religious arenas. I'm letting you know that even if a person in the highest authority preaches to you another gospel than the gospel I preached to you, let him be under God's curse. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, even if an angel from heaven, someone like Gabriel or Michael, I mean, can you believe the boldness of Paul? He's even putting Michael, an angel, and, 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 and Gabriel in their places. And he's saying, or any other angel appears to you and preaches some other gospel than the gospel I preached to you, let him be under God's curse. And then, to let the false teachers know that he was not intimidated by any of them, Paul says in Galatians 1.10, he says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is letting them know that, uh, that he is not concerned about being politically correct, he is not concerned about gaining the approval or support of man. He is not afraid of being offensive to those who are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ and cause the people to be confused. He is calling them out and label, labeling them as cursed by God. Paul is letting the Galatians and the enemies of the gospel that he preaches know that he has not been called to be a man pleaser, but a God pleaser. Are you guys all listening to me, what I'm saying here this, this evening? The same applies to you. The same applies to me. God has not called us to be men pleasers. God has called us to be God pleasers. Can you say amen, church? When anything conflicts with this, we got to go with this, church, in spite of who it may Offend. He was sent and anointed by the Holy Spirit to go to the cities in the region of Galatia in order to preach the gospel. Where did the Apostle Paul get his authority from to preach the gospel to the Galatians? He got it from the Holy Spirit. If we go to Acts chapter 13, let's just review this. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, it says this. Let's remind ourselves where the Apostle Paul got his authority. 
It says here in verse 1 of Acts chapter 13, it says, Now in the church of at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Now we know that Saul was the Apostle Paul before he became Paul. So Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Who called the Apostle Paul Church? The Holy Spirit called them into the ministry. And the Holy Spirit sent Saul and Barnabas into their first missionary journey, which included where? The churches in Galatia. And then it says in verse 3, So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Go off, Barnabas. Go on out there, Saul. The Holy Spirit said, Go on out there and start bringing people to Jesus. And now, because these false teachers were infiltrating the churches in Galatia with false doctrine, the Galatians were confused and questioning the apostleship and authority of the Apostle Paul. And so now the Apostle Paul begins to explain to the Galatians where he got his authority from and how he received the gospel message that he was preaching. And he begins, actually the Apostle Paul begins in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 1 by declaring to the Galatians this. He says, Paul... An apostle, this is Galatians 1.1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul starts off by declaring that not only was he sent and directly named by the Holy Spirit, as we read in Acts chapter 13, but he was personally called and sent by Jesus Christ himself and God the Father when Jesus Christ appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. We read about that last week in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, when the apostle Paul met Jesus Christ personally, and he fell to the ground in the presence of the resurrected Christ. In verse 15 of Acts chapter 9, just one verse from that section, it says, Jesus said, he, Paul, or Saul at that time, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. So here we see that the apostle Paul is declaring, hey, you guys, Jesus Christ himself called me into the ministry. He personally spoke to me on the road to Damascus. So not only was I sent by the Holy Spirit, but Jesus Christ himself personally called me into the ministry. The Apostle Paul continues to explain his authority and calling in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24, which is our text for tonight. This is our section of Scripture that we're studying tonight. Galatians 1, verses 11 through 24. In verse 11... The Apostle Paul declares or says, he says this, that the gospel that I preached is not of human origin. What he was preaching came from Jesus. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul declares, I did not receive this gospel that I preached to you from any man. He also says, I was not taught this gospel that I preached to you by any man. And then he says, I received the gospel that I preached to you personally from Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ himself called him, and Jesus Christ himself gave the Apostle Paul the message 
to preach. And he continues in Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 of our text. The Apostle Paul goes back to who he was before becoming a follower of Christ. He starts breaking it down for them. Before his conversion, the Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christ. The Christians and the Christian church. He wanted to destroy the church. Before the Apostle Paul was a follower of Christ, he was an accomplished scholar, a professor, a high-ranking religious official in the Jewish religious community. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, let me read it. It says this. This is what Paul says about himself before his conversion. He says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely... I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Those of us here that know the history of the Apostle Paul, he was crazy. He was a radical for the Jewish community trying to destroy the church. He must have been the original first terrorist that ever lived on this earth against the, against the church. That's how powerful he was. And he confirms this in Philippians chapter 3. Again, speaking about himself before his conversion. It says this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. The apostle Paul says, about, says this about himself. He says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless or blameless. This is a very heavy statement that the Apostle Paul is making. Let's try to understand the significance of what he is saying here. This means that when Jesus Christ was here on earth with his disciples, Paul who was known as Saul before his conversion to Christianity, Paul or Saul was a high-ranking official and leader with the Sanhedrin and with the Pharisees and with the rabbis of his day. Paul or Saul was in agreement with those that were wanting to trap Jesus. He was in agreement with those that were wanting to persecute Jesus. He was in agreement with those that were wanting to kill Jesus. Paul probably witnessed the testimonies of those who were miraculously healed by Jesus. But that didn't cause Paul to be converted. Paul probably witnessed the testimonies of those who were raised from the dead. But that didn't cause Paul to be converted. Paul probably witnessed the testimonies of those that were set free from demon possession. But that didn't cause Paul to be converted. Paul probably witnessed the testimonies of the thousands of people that were miraculously fed by Jesus. But that didn't cause Paul to be converted. Paul probably witnessed the testimonies of those that saw Jesus calm the destructive storms in the Sea of Galilee. He probably witnessed the testimonies of those who were lame and paralytic and blind and deaf and mute that were supernaturally healed by Jesus. But that even didn't convert or cause Paul to be converted. He probably heard how Nicodemus, one of his respected colleagues, met with Jesus privately and secretly. He probably heard about the transfiguration. He probably heard about the drying out of the fig tree. He was probably even there when the high priest's servant went over to 
arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he probably was there when he saw the, the high priest servant cut off, or Peter cut off the high priest servant's ear, and when he saw Jesus put that ear back and heal it. He saw all this stuff, and yet he was not converted. He just got more crazy and more radical and more passionate to destroy Jesus and to destroy the church. In other words, Paul, before his conversion, was so hard in his heart against Jesus Christ and the apostles that none of these factual miracles and supernatural acts of Christ moved him. As a matter of fact, before his conversion, Paul saw himself as perfect, pure, blameless, having achieved the highest status of holiness for a human being. For you scientists out there that are listening to me right now, Paul saw himself as reaching the state of clear. For you new agers and Hindus out there, Paul saw himself as reaching the highest state of enlightenment or nirvana. For you Muslims and Jews that are out there, Paul saw himself as reaching the highest state of purity, sinlessness, and holiness according to the law. For you Buddhists and Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, Paul saw himself as attaining the highest state of holiness through good works. But then one day, Paul met the glorified Christ. And guess what, church? He found out that it wasn't about like the Mormons or the Muslims or the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Jews or the New Agers or the Hindus or the Buddhists or the Scientologists. No, everything was about Jesus. Can you say amen, church? You have all these people all over the world seeking, chasing, trying to understand and connect and have a relationship with God and using all these false ways of getting there when it's all about Jesus. The Apostle Paul thought he was way up here and completely connected to the living God, but then he met the glorified Christ and he went from believing that he was blameless and pure to realizing that he was the chiefest of sinners when he experienced the holiness and the purity of Christ Paul was devastated did you hear what I just said church he was devastated do you know how traumatizing that must have been for the apostle Paul to realize or to think that he was way up here God's favorite man God's holy man And he met the glorified true Christ, the one that he was trying to destroy, and he realized that he was a wretched sinner. To realize that all of this training and work and doctrine and study and desire to achieve and reach and connect to God was an error. And all of this time, Paul's sin and pride and arrogance and rebellion was blinding and preventing him from being able to know the true and living God. Listen, usually what's normal is the reverse. Most of the time, usually, people hesitate coming to God. Why? Because they feel so unworthy. They feel so evil. They feel so sinful. They feel so ashamed. They feel so embarrassed. But hallelujah, when we come to him, he sees us as we are, and he forgives us of all of our sins. Can you say amen, church? We're cleansed of all that unrighteousness. That's the way most of us 
see ourselves before a holy God. Paul was the opposite. He saw himself as holy. Holier than the angels. And God had to knock him down. All this time he was sincerely trying to connect or reach or have relationship with God. Just like so many other millions of people around the world are trying to do in various ways. And realizing for the first time that he was that he has been denying and fighting God because he was rejecting Jesus Christ. He, as well as millions of others that are involved with false religious practices and rejecting and actually persecuting and fighting and trying to destroy Jesus Christ, the only one that could provide them with forgiveness of sin and salvation and eternal life. For the Apostle Paul, this was traumatizing. It was traumatizing. I mean, just think about the Muslims in the Middle East, that are passionate. How many of you would agree they are passionate in their Muslim faith? And then all of a sudden realizing that all these Christians that they're trying to shut down, all these Christians that they're trying to kill, all these Christians that they're trying to imprison, were all right. And they were wrong. I don't know about you, but that's a very traumatizing realization when you come to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord under those conditions. So for the Apostle Paul, this was traumatizing. And so he had to take a time out. He had to take a time out to reevaluate and to relearn and to get to know the true and living Christ. But here's the good news. If we go back to our text in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. Paul tells us that before he was even born, God already had a plan for Paul. I don't know about you, but that should blow each and every one of us away right now. Before you even you were even born, guess what? God saw you on what day is it today? December the 16th. Are we in the 16th or 17th? What are we? On December the 16th, on a Wednesday night, even before you knew Jesus, when you were out there in the world, all crazy, all lost, all messed up. But guess what? Before you were even born, God saw you sitting right here in Chatsworth Foursquare Church. God saw you watching online in your living room, in your bedroom, in, in, in your kitchen, wherever you are. He saw you listening to Pastor Jerry on, on, on the TV or wherever you're on the computer. He saw you redeemed, saved, a child of God on your way to heaven for all eternity before you were even born. How awesome is our God, church? I mean, he is beyond our human capacity to understand the dimensions of who he is. Are you guys following me so far? Can you say amen, church? God saw the, even though Saul was all messed up and all wrapped up in this, in, in, in this legalistic way of life, God saw that and guess what? God is going to use that for the benefit of the church. All that instruction, all that knowledge, all that teaching, all that understanding, all that study that he made. Guess what? God's going to use all of that to make him a powerful 
preacher of the Word of God. Can you say amen, church? And God's going to use everything that you've experienced in your life. Believe it or not, even the negative things, even the bad things, God says, I'm going to use all of that stuff to better you and to better the gospel and to better the church. Paul tells us that before he was even born, God already had a plan for him. God already had a day and time and place set up for the day of Paul's salvation and call to the ministry. God already had a specific plan and destiny and purpose and established, uh, established that for the Apostle Paul. All of Paul's learning of the law and his achievements and his accomplishments and his credentials as a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin were all part of God's plan for Paul to prepare him for the work that Jesus Christ had planned for him, a plan that God had before the Apostle Paul was even born. It wasn't until Paul met the glorified and resurrected Jesus Christ that he surrendered his life completely to Jesus. After Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus that we already read last week in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, Paul begins a personal and intimate journey to discover and learn and acquaint himself with the glorified Christ and to discover his mission, which was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, we explained last week that the Gentiles are peoples who are not Jewish. In the Bible, you have those that are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and these are the Jewish people. Then you have the rest of the peoples of the world or the rest of us who are not Jewish and we are called Gentiles, which is what most of us are in here right now. We're all Gentiles, but now we belong to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Now, originally, after Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, the gospel of salvation was being preached and offered only to the Jewish people. But God supernaturally recruited the apostle Paul into the ministry and assigned him the great responsibility of reaching out to the Gentiles, reaching out to those who are non Jewish to receive the free gift of salvation in and through faith in Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit sent him out into the world. He says, get out of Jerusalem. Get out of Israel. Go into all these cities, all the world that are part of the Roman Empire and invite everyone to come to the party. Everyone, even those that are not Jewish. The gospel that he preached was not given to him or taught to him by any human being, but the gospel that he received was given to him and taught to him and revealed to him by Jesus Christ himself. Let's go back to our text in Galatians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. It says this. After his conversion, after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, listen to what Jesus, what the Apostle Paul says here in verse 17. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. He took a time out. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. For those of you that don't know, Cephas is the apostle Peter. And then in verse 19, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. So in Galatians chapter 1, verse 17, the Apostle Paul explains to us that after his conversion, he went to Arabia for three years. He needed to be alone with God. He needed to reprogram his understanding of who God was, of his mission, and of his ministry. And he thought, remember, before his conversion, the Apostle Paul thought that he was doing good. 
The Apostle Paul thought that he was on the right track. The Apostle Paul thought that God was pleased with him, but he discovered that he was wrong. He discovered that he was in error. He, he discovered that he needed clarity. And so he got away, isolated himself for three years in Arabia to relearn and to reprogram and to re, uh, reacquaint himself with his mission and with his ministry. In Galatians 1.18, the Apostle Paul tells us that after three years, he went to Jerusalem and met with the Apostle Peter for 15 days. Now, Peter was a key individual because Peter himself had a personal revelation from the Holy Spirit about God's desire to save the Gentiles without having to submit to the works of the law in the Old Testament. So Peter also received this same revelation that the Apostle Paul received, that God wanted to reach out to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. Now, I was debating whether or not to read this whole section of Scripture, but it's so important that I'm going to take the time to read it. This is Acts chapter 10, okay? And I may put some of you to sleep as I read this, but this is the story or the account of when Peter, Peter realized that God wanted to reach out to the non-Jewish people or to the Gentiles with the gospel. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that the Holy Spirit sent someone my way, someone from the little town of San Fernando to let me know that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of you thank God for that day that you got saved? Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit cared enough about you that wherever you were at, God sent someone or he communicated to you in some way the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? It began right here in Acts chapter 10. Let's listen to what it says here. It's going to start off by talking about this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius is not a Jew. He is a Roman centurion or a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen. Not Jewish. Okay? And yet he gets saved. Listen to what happens here. In Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 1, it says this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. Non-Jewish guy. Not Jewish. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. 
Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that, you, so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, what he was doing was they had never done it before, going into a non-Jewish home. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house, praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. 
for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. This marks the first time that a non-Jewish person received salvation and received the Holy Spirit. The first time recorded in the Scriptures. That's why the Apostle Paul, who got the same message from Jesus, met with Peter, who already had the message from Jesus, letting them know, hey, you guys, I want you to go out into all the world, and I want you to reach to all peoples of all cultures, of all, of all races, of all uh, educational statuses, of all social statuses, of all colors of skins. I want you to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, and I want everyone to come in, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. And that's the way it is even until this day. So Peter and the Apostle Paul got together. They had the same message and thus began the preaching of the Bible or the, of salvation, not only to the Jew, but also to those that aren't Jewish called Gentiles. How many of you praise God for that day? Can you say amen, church? It's because of those moments, church, that you and I are now part of the kingdom of God. And spiritually, through Jesus Christ, we too today are seeds of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because we are connected to Jesus, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as the Apostle Paul, Lord God, proves to the Galatians why he was an apostle, why he had the authority to preach, and how he was called and sent out by Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit to preach this gospel to all peoples and all nations everywhere around the world. We thank you, God, for that message that you gave to the Apostle Paul and that you gave to the Apostle Peter. And it's because of that message that we are here today, Lord, saved and on our way to heaven. And for those of you that are watching and for those of you that are listening even right now, that same opportunity for you to receive salvation and forgiveness of sins in and through Jesus Christ is available for you right now. The message has not changed. The gospel has not changed. It's still the same in its purest form. The Holy Spirit is here calling out to you. So if you're here listening to me tonight and you are not a Christian, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior here tonight, the only way to salvation, you can debate as much as you want, but the only way, according to God, is through Jesus Christ. And if you want to receive that gift of salvation, pray this prayer of repentance with me right now. Just say these words. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins. Tonight, I recognize that I am a sinner and that I need salvation that can be provided only by your Son, Jesus Christ. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Take over my life. Be my Lord be my Savior.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for your patience tonight as I read that whole chapter. But I pray that it ministered to you and, and that it helps you to have an understanding of the beginning of the gospel that the Apostle Paul preached, especially to you and I who are Gentiles here tonight. God bless you. Have a good night. Praise God.